Hello everyone, this is Luminous Star. Welcome to the Luminous Star channel. And for all of my current subscribers, mwah, you guys and girls know that I love you so much. Thank you for being a part of the Star family. Today's video is gonna be a little different. I'm going to be interviewing a special guest. Her name is Nicola Hurst, and you can find her on YouTube as well. Her channel is called The Courage to Change. Okay, now I wanna go ahead and let everyone know that I first heard of Nicola by seeing her on YouTube. And I'm gonna let you all know, I was just blown away. Now she talks about uh, substance abuse and uh, alcoholism as it pertains to the narcissism as well as codependency. So if you all can, check out her website, check out her YouTube channel. And on that note, I'm gonna introduce Nicola. Hello, Nicola, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Cassandra, for having me. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to bring in 2020 the right way, and we're going to go ahead and talk to Nicola for a few minutes. And I want to go ahead and encourage everyone again to find her on YouTube at Courage to Change and check her out on her website. Let's wait. Before you start, let's do a Musa. <laughs> let's use our tools here. Breathe in, breathe out. <laughs> Okay, now I'm getting a little bit of coaching from you. Uh, All right, I'm right. good. Okay. So Nicola, I would like for you, if you would please, give us a little bit of a background about how you got started with The Courage to Change and your website. Okay, so just to give you a little background on me, 12 years United States Air Force veteran. I was dealing with a lot of trauma that I didn't even recognize I was dealing with. Um, I had packed my incidents to the back of my mind, like many of us do, and Absolutely. going on with my life and doing whatever I needed to do to not think. So what <laughs> happened is I became a workaholic. Yes. Um, and workaholism is the thing that began to burn me out and push me over the edge to the right. point where I needed to um, deal with whatever it was that was dealing with me. And I was mm -hmm. not aware until my body, my physical body got attacked. Right. I okay. couldn't run from myself anymore. I couldn't run away from whatever it was in me that needed to be done. Uh -huh. yeah, so, did you notice any symptoms of like a body aches? Uh, Cause you know, I, I know a lot of us deal with that. The body, right. chronic aches in the body, the headaches, uh, tightness. I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. I was, I was, I had gotten slammed to the point where I was bedridden and I could not get out of the bed. Wow. And, um, my body would not work for me. And that, that led me on a whole journey mm -hmm. of beginning to open up things that I had never thought about before or seen before. Um, when it comes to my healing process. Yeah. Um, okay. I was also in seminary at the time. And so I thought because of the stress of the work that I was doing in ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, my body was being slammed that way. I had no idea that all of these other things were also adding up on me. So I went to see a therapist while I was in seminary at school. And as I began to talk about and unpack my own, <laughs> my uh -huh. own issues, didn't bring nobody else up. This was just me talking to the therapist. My therapist looked at me and said, 
you seem like the the daughter of a narcissistic parent. And that was wow. my first time ever hearing about narcissism. And I'm like, what is that? Tell me more. <laughs> yes, yes. So I wanted to know more. So like, so when I began to unpack, you know, when she began to unpack what that was and uh, how it added to the equation of all the other things that I was dealing mm -hmm. with, um, mm -hmm. it started my healing journey. It, and, okay. and, and that is what caused me to um, go into recovery in the way that I did um, with Al-Anon. For those who are not familiar with Al-Anon, Al Al yes. many people are familiar, familiar with AA, Alcoholic yes. Anonymous. Absolutely. But the other person on the other side, the, the, the person that is the recipient of some of the abuse of the alcoholic, mm -hmm. the Al-Anon rooms are available for them. That started my healing journey in the 12-step program. Okay. And while in that program, I realized I don't see a lot of black people in here. Wow. Okay. And, and that is what led me to want to start Courage to Change because mm -hmm. I wanted to introduce my people to a level of healing that was literally pulling me out of the ditch. You know, because we all experience things differently, mm -hmm. but you're not finding a lot of people who share the same culture as us you know in those groups do you think possibly this is how some people may be discouraged from going to such groups oh absolutely that is the reason why i started courage to change because i know that if you don't have the fortitude or you're not pushed as hard as i was pushed to get help right. um, to to do something uh where you combat that fear it's very easy to look at that room be intimidated and turn around and say nope <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I wanted to do something to help introduce this type of information to, in a non-intimidating space, somewhere yeah. where people can listen to it and look at it from their own space and then see the value in the information and hopefully go out there and try it or find other yeah. ways to, to heal. But that was the reason why, because I know, I mean, it's, it's very intimidating to go into these spaces and feel like you wouldn't be possibly heard from your perspective, mm -hmm. your cultural lens, et cetera. But the information right. is valid and it could be used and maybe we need to take it and, and tweak it around to you know, work for us, but it's valid information It definitely saved me. Absolutely, you know, and I want to share with everyone that I have gone to uh, particular groups and I felt that same feeling like, okay, I don't know if I would like to share a lot of my intimate experiences within this group because I actually felt a lack of resonance right. in those groups. You know, can anyone in here relate to me? You know, mm -hmm. so I absolutely know what you're talking about. I've experienced that as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah, thank you for sharing that because I think a lot of my viewers actually on the Lunar Star channel have expressed the same thing to me. I receive emails and I've gotten that same you know, that common theme is like, okay, if, you know, going to this person or that person, it could be a group, it could be a therapist, it could be a mentor, mm -hmm. um, but sometimes they hit that brick wall. Like, I don't know if I'm comfortable with, mm -hmm. it, you know, sharing more because I don't think this person really gets what I've gone through. And exactly. that can cause people to kind of turn around, like you said, you know, mm -hmm. and try something else. And then sometimes some people, they feel hopeless. They just, they don't think there's anyone out there that can support them. 
So I just want to thank you again for your channel and your work. Thank <laughs> you. When I saw your videos, I mean, I was like, I was blown away. I was like, you know what? This is good stuff here. So I really appreciate you for your work. For our learning therapy that I am a child of narcissism and I realize that what happens is you develop a pattern in your life of recreating that over and over again until you begin to heal it. And I have experienced codependency in spaces of narcissism. Yes. Probably over the course of my life in every space I've ever been in from friendships to relationships, to work, all of it. And all of it was basically calling me back to myself to heal. Each and every space that I went through, because most of us are not, most of us are not even conscious of the fact that when we're repeating patterns in our life is basically saying, wake up, there's something here to, to heal. And generally it's taking us back to childhood. And for me, I didn't realize that I, would, I had developed codependency traits as a child mm-hmm. trying to please narcissistic parents. Yes. So I had to recreate that in order for me to be uncomfortable enough to try to figure out what is this and why is this continuously happening in my life. So in friendships, I had friendships where I completely overgave and didn't receive enough back. I had um, relationships in the same the same manner. I'm over overgiving, uh, basically working for love in a sense, not knowing that this was a part of the whole makeup of the thing that I needed to heal from childhood. Um, and work, I've, I've been the person that everybody relied on. You know, everybody, you know, we can go to her, she'll take care of it. You know, that yes. kind of thing. Very familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then you don't realize that it's a part of this trait that you have to, yeah, um, to contend with and to heal. And you know, that whole thing with perfectionism as well, where you you you're so hard on yourself, you do. You know, you do more, do more and do more and do more trying to make sure that you don't have any complications because in the back of your mind, so well, you know that if you don't do it right, somebody is going to get on you. So all of these things with a combination of work, friendship, relationships, all of this stuff where I'm pouring out, but I am not receiving back. And after a time that becomes very depleting, very draining. And that is a wake-up call for many of us who are dealing with codependency, which led me into another room, which was uh, CODA. So I'm very familiar with narcissism on every level that you could possibly think of. And it pushed me into doing the type of self-healing and journey of of 12-step work, therapy, Mm -hmm. and all the rest of the things to try to get to the bottom of, okay, if this keeps reappearing, I got to get to the root of this. What is it? And how can we heal it? And that is what led me into the work that I do on my channel with ACA, Adult Children of Alcoholics and Dysfunctional Families. Uh-huh. Because I, we, we have to touch the root and we have to do the, the, the work from the place of origin in order to begin to even think about coming to a space of living a healthier life. Absolutely. And uh, I just want to piggyback off of something you had uh, talked about, which is... Uh, noticing the patterns of behavior mm-hmm. now if you don't mind let us know about what age were you when you started to notice that were you a teenager adult 
Oh, no, I was way into my adult life before I even understood. And I think many, many times we, before as adults, we don't get to see patterns until we start noticing. That's just not a coincidence that this happened again. This mm -hmm. looks like right. something that is a repeated pattern. And right. I was probably maybe 33, 34 years old before I started saying, mm -hmm. you know, this, this, this seems to keep happening. So, yeah. You know, so yeah, and so so people, some people don't get to be a, you know, some people who are wise enough get it when they're younger, and I'm grateful for them. But I didn't get it that young. I was I was in my thirties before I be I just even began to piece together the fact that this is something that is a repeated pattern. This mm -hmm. is not something that's just oh, this is a coincidence. This just right happened to happen. So right. yeah, yeah. Because I th I think it was I was thirty years old. I was about 30 okay. when I noticed that repeated pattern and I just knew something wasn't quite right. And even though it felt familiar to me, mm -hmm. just some, I just knew that it wasn't the way things were supposed to be, if that right. makes sense. Like, okay, exactly. Why, you know, and like you mentioned before, giving too much and not giving, you know, not getting it back. It's like, not okay, why? Yeah. This stuff in the relationship and it's like, I walk away empty-handed yeah you know I, I i i experienced that too but i was about 30 years old when that light bulb came on right. and i started to notice some things and i looked at some things and i started questioning and i started to investigate that yeah but i went on for a little while before i actually reached out for help because i was proud i don't know about you but i was proud it's like okay i noticed something wrong but you know, I don't think I'm going to talk to anyone about this because I can handle it. Mm. And that was my military background. It's mm. part, you know, that was part of that. And it was also just me being proud, you know, prideful. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, you know, I should be able to do this. I should be able to take care of this, even though I know that something is wrong, but I'm going to handle it. Yeah. You know, and I was also a little bit of, uh, you know, just afraid. I was a little timid about it, asking for yeah. help. So it took me a little while before I reached out and started, uh, you know, getting any support about this. Yeah. So have you noticed any uh, signs of narcissism or codependency as far as like your career goes? Absolutely. And I have had many different walks of life. <laughs> 12 years military was one, but I've also spent more than 33 years of my life in ministry until I started having a spiritual shift. And mm -hmm. I have seen it from the pulpit to the battleground. I have okay. seen it all over across the board in the way that uh, leaders uh, sometimes treat their um, the people that are working right next to them. Um, yes. Some people well, need subordinates. Yeah. yeah. They need to build themselves up by tearing other people down. Or down. Yes. Um, I've seen people mm -hmm. use and misuse people and that's a form of narcissism. Uh, I've seen people uh, take credit for other people's work. You know, all of these yeah. things can fall under that umbrella. <laughs> you work yes. working with, they won't give you the credit that you would do because they, they yeah. need to feed their ego in a certain way. Absolutely. So yeah, Absolutely. I've definitely seen it across the board. And sometimes even you have to be careful of even counselors that do the same thing. They have to face yes. people feed their egos and narcissism uh, uh, many different ways. And sometimes you know, um, I'll tell you one, I just experienced it, it, uh, as, as a uh, veteran, um, 
I'm a part of many different types of things that help support veteran groups, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, one is, you know, one veteran holding the other one accountable. So if you see a, if you see a fallen, a, a, a soldier suffering, you, you lend a hand. And I noticed a person uh, building- I think we call that the, the, the buddy system, right? The buddy system, exactly. Yeah. So uh, somebody that <laughs> tried to come as a buddy, uh, building their ego up by saying, well, you know, you know, everybody's not like me. I know mm -hmm. some people are weaker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So therefore, I need to feel good about me by, you know, seeing how much weaker you are. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Capitalizing off you, yeah. <laughs> right, all of that is, that's, that, it may not be, it may not be malignant narcissism, but it's definitely a narcissistic trait. Yeah, it's quite subtle sometimes mm -hmm. how they can gaslight, you know, exactly. like you mentioned, you know, they want to build off of your traits, your abilities, mm -hmm. and that helps them to feel better. Mm -hmm. I have seen this myself in the military and, and you know, various uh, aspects of my career in corporate America. I have seen some people's careers just ruined for sport. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I I do remember you telling me that you were... Uh, you lived in Asia uh, yes, for a little yes. while. Um, just curious, did you see during your career, did you also see it there? Not pinpointing the, uh, that Asia is a problem with narcissism, but just in your career, even there, did you seem to see any traces of it? Absolutely. Did the atmosphere have it? Okay, because I know sometimes the atmosphere, it's like it doesn't matter what environment is like. <laughs> It does not matter where yeah. you are, no matter what your cultural background is. And I have li lived around the world and I have seen it everywhere I've been. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, that's yeah. right. I did some research and I found out that some of them, they will use alcohol just to mask. You know, that's part of that. You, know, you ever heard of them say they put the mask on? Mm -hmm. But what, from my research, I found out a lot of cluster personality types, such as uh, not just a narcissist, but a borderline personality, mm -hmm. uh, the histrionic personality, and the antisocial personality, they will use the substance and the alcohol just to mask. That's part of their mask. They'll put mm -hmm. it on, and they're just trying to, you know, that's their escapism from their own personal problems. And they tend to project onto others, but they would you know, use alcohol and the drug sometimes mm -hmm. to do so. Um, now, your personal experience with that hasn't been so much on the narcissism side as well as the codependent side. Would you say that or? Yeah, because I've seen people who are dealing with the narcissist drinking mm -hmm. just to try to cope with the right. narcissist. And then, okay. of course, I mean, I had several, I mean, a couple of incidences where I've seen the alcohol being used as a mask, but it, it's not, it's not been a big issue in my life, like, because as soon as I saw it, I left. Yeah. I yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
Luminous Star here. Welcome to my channel, Luminous Star. If this is your first time visiting, welcome, welcome. And for those of you who are current subscribers, mwah, thank you so much for your subscription. Today, we're going to be talking about giving ourselves permission to move forward after a toxic relationship with the narcissist. Welcome to the channel, Luminous Star. All of my subscribers, mwah, thank you guys and gals so much for being my stars. Thank you for motivating me and keeping me passionate about keeping Luminous Star channel active. All of you who are visiting for the first time, welcome to Luminous Star. Please check the description box below for all the details to today's video. If you should become a part of our star family, welcome and please click the notification bell. That way all the videos and blogs that come out, you will be notified. Also, when I go on live, hopefully you will be able to join me. Please like and or share today's video. Today's video, Biochemical Addiction Keeps Trauma Bonds with Cluster Personality Types Intact. Topics of Discussion Trauma Responses are Attempts to Make Sense Out of the Crazy Making. Topic Number Two Trauma Bonds and Toxic Ties with Cluster Personality Types are Addictive. Topic number three, a reduction of stress and bonding systems might prove to be a game changer after going no contact from cluster personality types. The final topic are the tools, references, and resources of which you can find in the description box below. Point number one, engaging in diabolical tactics while pulling shenanigans are how cluster personality types produce what is known as crazy making. Responding to such tactics can cause some individuals to experience trauma, especially if he or she is considered a highly sensitive person, such as those who are empathic, codependents, and or love addicts. Symptoms associated with trauma, feeling numb or disconnected, shock or denial, anxiety or fear. Another symptom associated with trauma guilt, shame, or self-blame. Next symptom, feeling sad or hopeless. Another symptom, withdrawing from others, anger, mood swings, or irritability. The final symptom associated with trauma can be confusion or difficulty concentrating or what is known as brain fog. Next point, trauma bonds and toxic ties with cluster personality types are often highly addictive for most people, especially those who are love addicts and display codependent behavior. Trauma bonding indicates an insecure attachment style, which can activate the reward system while the dysfunctional relationship is active. The pleasure principle is often what motivates one to continue to invest in a toxic relationship with cluster personality types. Okay, so this chart here pretty much maps out how the reward system comes into play. All right, now the pleasure principle, in other words, 
what motivates a person to continue to engage or to reinvest it, to continue to invest in a dysfunctional relationship with a cluster personality type, since it's very addictive. There has to be the reward system. In other words, there has to be something that keeps that person going back to the cluster personality type. There are certain things that happen within the brain that activates the reward system, even the stress system. Okay, we'll get into that a little bit later. But there has to be something that's going on within that person as well as within the relationship with the cluster personality in order to keep him or her invested. Let's move forward. Codependent behavior patterns within dysfunctional relationships with cluster personality types indicates an insecure attachment style, behavior that led you to keep the dysfunctional relationship with the cluster personality type active becomes inactive when the relationship ends, either by going no contact or the cluster personality type decides to ghost or to discard. All right, so when the cluster personality type chooses to, uh, you know, discard or they ghost the relationship, as I explained in the previous slide, there has to be something that's going on within that relationship that keeps a person invested. More than likely, it's the person who is investing in the narcissist or the cluster personality type. There has to be certain types of behaviors that are going on in the dysfunctional relationship with the cluster personality and our narcissist that keeps a person hooked, that keeps them invested. So the cluster personality type often is the one who is love avoidant. Whereas the other people involved, more than likely they are love addicts or if they're not love addicts, they have codependent behavior patterns, okay? Or they may be highly intuitive empaths. That this does not mean that they're bad people, such as those who are indicating um, uh, codependent behaviors, right? They are often the ones who may suffer withdrawal symptoms should the narcissist or the cluster personality type choose to ghost, okay, or to discard. The codependent behavior within a dysfunctional relationship often indicates an insecure attachment style. This means enmeshment can come into play. This is where the trauma bonding can come into play or a toxic tie. Once a person chooses to go no contact, that means that the behavior that led him or her to continue to be invested in the narcissist also ends. This is where the withdrawal symptoms can come into play because that particular behavior pattern has stopped or it has been interrupted. Let's move forward. Neural pathways to cluster personality types often keep trauma bonds intact as the reward, bonding, and stress systems remain activated. Obsession and consistent focus upon cluster personality types can cause re-traumatization. Cluster personality types who choose to attempt a successful hoover are often effective due to the emotional, psychological, and spiritual state of the targeted prey. There are some cluster personality types who may attempt a successful hoover after they have discarded of the targeted prey and the relationship. 
okay? This is often the case when they think they can get more narcissistic supply out of the individual or the targeted prey. The only way the cluster personality type will have a successful hoover is if the neural pathways have not been interrupted or broken. As long as the relationship with the cluster personality type is active, this means that the reward system, the bonding system, and the stress systems are all activated. Obsession and consistent focus upon the cluster personality type can cause a person to become re-traumatized, okay? Because they're focusing on, they're putting a lot of energy and effort to focus on the cluster personality type, especially if the cluster personality type has ghosted or they have discarded. Once the cluster personality chooses to ghost or discard, the neural pathways can sometimes still be intact, meaning the other person may become obsessed with the narcissist or cluster personality type, even though by all signs, the narcissist and cluster personality have decided to end the relationship. This is also when signs of trauma may begin to appear, such as the shock or being in denial that the relationship is actually over. Cluster personality types often are successful with the hoover because the targeted prey still has the neural pathways to him or her connected. The reward and bonding and stress systems remain activated. Okay, let's look at the uh, stress systems. Hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenal, stress system, the localcalis, stress system, and the social stress system. All of these become activated, all right, especially after the relationship with the cluster personality type has ended, no matter who has ended it. Be aware that withdrawal symptoms can occur due to dysfunctional relationships with cluster personality types ending, which activates the stress system. Okay, let's move forward. After going no contact or after the cluster personality types chooses to discard, it might be a game changer for you to decide to detach or bond to others while taking steps to reduce your stress levels. Cluster personality types often count on others to remain addicted to him or her, if not the toxic relationship, while they move on to other forms of narcissistic supply. There could be a possible hoover that he or she is strategizing. Okay, so we kind of touched on that already. Uh, he or she may possibly try to hoover you back in after they have discarded you, especially if they see signs from you that you are still hooked on him or her, or you may be still um, getting over the shock of the relationship ending abruptly. Narcissists and cluster personality types, they often like the shock and awe of ending relationships. The aweness will be on their part. The shock may be on yours. They may be in awe of how slick they were able to end the relationship with you. You may be shocked how they were able to pull that off. If you decide to go no contact, one of the ways that you can keep yourself from getting hooked back in or hoovered back in is to bond to other people, okay? And at the same time, detach from the cluster personality type. Naturally, you are going to experience withdrawal symptoms. This is where your support base will come in. 
This is how it's going to be a game changer for you to bond to other people rather than staying focused on the crusty personality type by checking their social media, by driving by their house, by going to their job, by trying to show up at places that they frequented, okay, or they still frequent. This is going to be a game changer for you. What you want to do is try to reduce your stress levels. One of the best ways to reduce your stress levels is not to have anything to do with the cluster personality type once the relationship is over, either by your going no contact or he or she ghosting the relationship. The narcissist and cluster personality, they often have a lot of people that they're obtaining the narcissist supply from because they are addicted to people. So in this video, I don't want to make it sound like, or it seems like I'm indicating that everyone who is involved with him or her are the only ones who are addicted to the relationship. No, plus two personality types are often addicts. They're addicts of people. They are overly dependent upon people for the narcissistic supply. First tool, be patient with yourself. It is common to experience an activated stress system after going no contact from a cluster personality type. Becoming accustomed to existing as a person who chooses to no longer invest in dysfunctional relationships can be scary, difficult, and liberating. Learning how to detach is often challenging for most people. Realizing that you have possibly experienced something traumatic, therefore naturally responding to something that might be unnatural can be considered a logical explanation for your current challenges to thriving forward past narcissistic abuse. Okay, so simply put, be aware that there may be times that you will really feel those withdrawal symptoms. Some days will be pretty good, some days will be very challenging. You're naturally responding to something that is unnatural. The unnatural thing that you are naturally responding to is the dysfunctional, addictive, toxic relationship to a cluster personality type. This is going to take a little time, so be patient with yourself. You can learn how to detach from toxic relationships. Learn how to detach from cluster personality types. This is where your support base is gonna come in. It's gonna take some adjustment on your part maybe even dedication to continue to exist on this planet as a person who is no longer choosing to invest in toxic dysfunctional relationships with cluster personality types. So be patient with yourself, okay? Next tool. Take a break from social media. The practice of seeking viral validation, feedback, and or approval from others who might engage in social media forums that are fused with lower vibrational emotions such as fear, mismanaged anger, and despondency can keep the neural pathways to cluster personality types intact. Retraumatization might occur as a result, only serving to block you from possibly growing past narcissistic abuse. So beware of that social media. Some of you have written me and let me know that you had to take a break from watching the social media, okay? That is concerning the cluster personality type. This is understandable. This is something that I had to do a few years ago myself, so I get it. Take a break from social media if you have to.
by engaging in the cluster personality type can cause you to become re-traumatized. Being re-traumatized can slow down your process from thriving forward and growing past narcissistic abuse. So yes, take a break from social media. You're not engaging the cluster personality type, whether it's emotionally, spiritually, or even via social media. You're just not paying him or her much mind and your hearts don't have to be open to him or her. When a person chooses to internalize all the shenanigans and the diabolical tactics of the cluster personality type, they are choosing to claim what is not theirs. He or she may blame themselves for what the cluster personality type is doing and how they are. When a person is recognizing what the cluster personality type is doing, he or she may feel sadness, they may feel anger, they may think certain things, However, that is not internalizing. They're recognizing what's going on and they may feel and or think certain things. That's natural. That's only natural. It is so different from internalizing and it's a lot healthier to recognize rather than internalize. All right, so sometimes we may need to take that break from social media. Next tool. Build and work your support base. The reward system becomes aggravated after either going no contact or the addictive dysfunctional relationship with the cluster personality type is over. This often leads to the stress system becoming activated. Therefore, withdrawal symptoms can occur. Bonding with others for the purpose of having positive relationships can help to calm the withdrawal symptoms down. And I wish all of my stars the very best on this, okay? This is something I've gone through myself. Find yourself thinking about him or her, even though the relationship is over. And this includes family members. This is just not a romantic situation. The cluster personality type, they don't bond with people deeply. Unfortunately, for those of us Whereas it's natural for us to bond with people deeply, when we bond with people such as the cluster personality type, this is also why the uh, relationship with him or her is very addictive. Because we're bonding with someone who only bonds superficially. They do not bond deeply. So take a person who bonds deeply, who is bonding with a person who doesn't bond deeply, then you may have a very codependent relationship, which can be very addictive. References and resources. Please check the description box below for the references and resources. I'm Luminous Star. I want to thank everyone for joining me today or tonight and wherever you may be. I certainly hope you are treating yourself well. I also wish you the very best love possible. Until next time, stay tuned for more vlogs and stay tuned for more videos.